1: welcome to first bite our detroit lions midweek podcast where we bring on a very very special guest to talk all things detroit lions my name is jeremy reisman i'm the editor-in-chief over at pride of detroit you can find me at detroit online and boy am i excited about this week's episode uh where i know training camp has started but we're still kind of in the early days of it and before we went full training camp mode i want to talk about the maybe the most exciting part of this 2020. Sorry, 2022 Detroit Lions team. Uh, but before we get into our guest, let me bring in our co-host. He's a senior editor at Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Jeremy. How are you doing? You're back I'm from training camp. You're not sunburnt. You're not sweating. Not sure how that's possible. I spent all day in the sun and I feel very warm. But uh, <laughs> but I'm doing well. Thank you. And like I said, I'm I'm very thrilled to bring in our, our very special yeah. guest here. Uh, you know him as maybe the biggest offensive line analyst on Twitter, on Instagram, great following Instagram. Uh side note. He is the co-author of the trench warfare newsletter on Substack, an offensive and defensive line analyst for Establish the Run. Brandon Thorne is here with us. Brandon, thanks for making some time today.
2: Yeah, absolutely guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Now uh We'd bring you on for pretty much any occasion because because you are such a, a special anal- analyst. But uh, you recently dropped your top seventy five offensive lineman list, breaking down the top fifteen at each position, and that featured not one, not two. Sorry to do you know my LeBron James impression here. Not one, not two, not three, but four. Detroit Lions offensive lineman here and we we just kind of had to to dig a little bit deeper to to see uh your thoughts on those individuals but before we get into some of uh, the Lions players I, I just kind of want to know your your process in in creating this list because uh it's obviously very well done and very thorough so how how did you do it
2: Yeah so I did it um last off season for the first time and you know I've always just been you know very much into trying to rank players you know based on watching you know pretty much all of them um at least the ones that i've ranked i've I've obviously watched those guys and i try to watch as much of the nfl as i can you know in terms of offensive and defensive line um and i just think the ranking process is just really enjoyable you know that's kind of like one of the driving forces for me um and it's also you know pretty illuminating as well like you know, just to actually put it on paper. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of doing it in tiers that way, the actual order within those tiers is malleable. You know, you could kind of move it around based on personal preference or, or, you know, whatever you're looking for, you know, or what you want, at, you know, in an offense or in an offensive lineman. So, um, I'm not too rigid, you know, with the actual order, but I think the tiers actually, you know, mean something, um, but yeah, it's just it's really fun, and I think uh, people like lists, of course, rankings, all that stuff. I know people want it, um, but I try and do it in a way that is detailed, nuanced, um, and basically, you know, just unload my notes for the year because, you know, that's what I do year round is is I watch offensive and defensive linemen, you know, for my job. So, um, you know, in season, I'm watching every game every week. You know, usually focused on um, one to two players on a line at a time. So naturally I miss, you know, one to two, maybe three, uh, guys, you know, each week, um, per unit. So over the summer, you know, spring and stuff when football ends, that's when I spend my time watching those other guys. Uh, so I try and see all the offensive linemen over the course of the whole year. And I mean, I pretty much just stopped watching NFL tape from last year, recently so it was good timing to put this out you know with offensive line masterminds as well an event i do uh for film work for it kind of coincides with that nicely so i can kind of you know do you know kind of knock out two birds and one stone so to speak there um but yeah it's just it's just kind of like a year's worth of work uh put out there for people and you know the, the feedback is always fun. And, um, you know, some of it is a uh, good, some of the bad, of course, you know, people <laughs> have their opinions, even though I'm not sure how, because I don't know how many people are actually watching offensive linemen right. play, but, but nonetheless, it's, it's fun. And the people who support my work, obviously watch it and they appreciate it and they, you know, we can have fun back and forth. So I, I enjoy the, the whole process.
3: Yeah. And, and I am somebody who does subscribe to your Substack because I I think uh, for, yeah, yeah. I mean, the amount of content and the amount of work that you put in is, is, is very apparent um, especially studying a less than glamorous position uh, (laughs) you know, talking about the offensive line, talking about the defensive line. Just real quick, Brandon, can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about like what originally sparked your interest in studying offensive line play and maybe how it's grown since then?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it, it started when I was a kid, really. I mean, being a huge NFL fan my whole life and the players in it, you know, I tell I tell people all the time like one of the driving forces for me getting into it. My dad obviously like I grew up a Broncos fan, diehard Broncos fan. I was born in Denver, so like uh, grew up you know watching the '97, '98 Broncos. Uh, you know, win back to back Super Bowls with the outside zone, you know, wide tight zone scheme under Alex Gibbs, you know, Terrell Davis, the whole thing. So that grew my appreciation, you know, from the get go, I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old at that time. Uh, So, you know, just realizing how much of a factor the, the, the scheme and the offensive line was in that team success kind of, you know, embedded something in me. And then uh, it just grew playing Madden over the years, (laughs) Uh, learning the players, learning, uh, you know, who was good, who wasn't, reading magazines books you know just just immersing myself in the NFL and the players um, and uh, played offensive line in high school um, for a few years had a couple looks at some smaller colleges you know but decided to join the military but um over that period my my love and like knowledge of the of the players and all that stuff just kept growing and growing and growing so I had eventually had the opportunity to get out of the military and actually like try to go become a scout, you know, which is what I always wanted to do. Um, So yeah, I met a lot of great people along the way and it just kind of, uh, kind of just morphed into what it is now where, you know, I joined social media saw that nobody was really talking about offensive line play. Uh, This was like 2013 or so when I became active on social media. Um, So I realized there was kind of this void that I could, potentially fill you know if I learned how to do it in a more structured detailed way and through things like the scouting academy and uh, various mentors um it, it just kind of positioned myself I tried to position myself to like talk about it in a smart way and um yeah I mean that started almost 10 years ago like you know eight 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 nine years ago or so and just trying to build on it since and it's you know I mean, over the last three, four years, I've been able to kind of do it more full-time. So it's been amazing, man, just how I've been able to kind of carve this out. I'm very fortunate and just thankful for the people who have helped me along the way because a lot of smart, smarter people than me kind of helped me get here. And yeah, I just, I love the position. I love shining light on it. I'm a big believer in, you know, the offensive and defensive line is like the lifeblood, the heart of a football team. You know, you win from the inside out, that cliche I think holds true. Um, so yeah, I mean, shining a light on that, it only makes sense that those guys would have more attention, you know, even though they never seek it, obviously, especially offensive line, like they don't want it, but at the same time, you know, I think anytime you're very good at what you do and people take notice of it, they appreciate it. So that's kind of how I've been able to kind of grow everything to where it is now.
1: You know what they say. You know, time flies when you're studying offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the the passion really comes through in, in your work. Oh, yeah. And, and let's let's jump into the the, the top seventy five lists there because sure. I want to start with the Lions' offensive tackles because they feel like um, a, a pretty good one two tandem there. And let's start with Taylor Decker. Um, did yeah. make your top fifteen. I'm not going to get too in depth because I want people to to read it on on their own. But um, you know, towards the bottom of your list, um, what? But but you kind of with the caveat that this is a really deep left tackle era right now. There's a lot of really good left tackles in this era. So what do you like about Taylor Decker's game and maybe what has him towards the the bottom of that top 15 rather than the top?
2: Yeah. I mean, well, kind of a reoccurring theme, you know, throughout this, one of the factors that I consider is if guys have a track record of success, you know, even if it's only being, you know, solid to above average or something like that. I mean, that to me when you're making bets for the future which is kind of what this list is i'm ranking what has happened but i'm also trying to bake into what i think is going to happen in 2022 so you obviously look at the track record of a player um and the fact that decker has you know what four seasons as a full-time starter where he's played more than you know 15 games another one where he played eight in 2017 you know last year he only played nine but Um, You know, he's dealt with some injury. Obviously, the labrum thing kind of really threw a wrench in his development early on. But right away as a rookie, I thought he was pretty solid, if not just a good starter in 2016. And I mean, he's pretty much been the same guy since, you know, minus some ups and downs, largely, I think, due to injury. So it's like I felt good about putting him where I did because if i'm making a bet on you know who are going to be the solid tackles in 2022 based on what he's done and kind of how he wins and his skill set you know i just feel like there's probably a pretty good chance he's going to have another year just like that you know um especially on an ascending offensive line he's in a good situation good circumstances um so you know maybe not the most upside here you know i don't think we're going to see a you know, like an all pro kind of guy, probably not a pro bowl kind of guy, but man, I just think he's a pretty dependable starter and that's what tier four is all about. And there's a lot of tier four quality left tackles right now. Um, but I I think he belongs in that conversation. Um, and yeah, so that, that's kind of a, a general view of Decker and kind of why I felt like, you know, felt good putting him where I did.
3: Well, Brandon, you mentioned, you know, early on in his career, um, you know, after the, after his rookie season, he suffers that labrum tear, maybe stunts his development a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But what do you think, do you think that, you know, you said coming right out of the gate, he was a, he was a good, solid starting left tackle. Do you think that's maybe his ceiling like was right there? Um, And do you think that there's anything left to maybe improve in some areas where, where he can move up a, a tier or two?
2: I think that probably is his ceiling. And I mean, I think all players generally, you know, can improve like technique stuff and just become more consistent. You know, that's what it's all about, really, with any position, but offensive line, especially, is you know, you have a certain kind of core, you know, base of fundamentals and and technique, and you, you know, you kind of work with the physical traits that you have, but it's all about becoming more consistent, right? And just that can happen over time. So there there are some things. You know, which is kind of this similar stuff with a lot of guys, like how you how they use their hands in terms of their timing and their placement, getting that more and more and more precise that could be approved upon with pretty much everybody. I mean, you know, obviously, some guys to a greater degree than others, but with Decker specifically, I think um, that's something that can get him into trouble sometimes. Um, just being a little late with his hands, uh, with his feet, pass sets in terms of angles and body positioning, you know, getting into the right spot, you know, with an inside out relationship on rushers consistently uh, while he's under control, balanced with his pads down, you know, he's a very tall guy. Um, He he kind of struggles with letting guys get underneath him sometimes. So just kind of, you know, gradually improving that, you know, he, he could probably do that a little bit more, but I don't see any like, dramatic improvements that he's, that he really is going to make, uh, at this point, you know, it's more so like on the margins, you know, to where, yeah, he could probably become a tier three guy, which, you know, I, I, guess, you, you know, some people can make the argument that he's tier three now, maybe some people can make the argument that he's tier five, you know, like I, I say in the opening of this article in that little graph I posted that, that bell curve, you know, probably 80% of the NFL is tier three, four or five that's just kind of the meat of players in the nfl so it, it you know usually the players that are in that range kind of oscillate between those three tiers um you know of course there's uh, outliers who are kind of firmly in the one or the other but i think becker's one of those guys who could you know kind of you know seesaw back and forth a little bit and the average is probably tier four so that's yeah that, that's kind of how i see him
1: well, let's move over to the young guy. Uh, let's let's talk about a little Pinay Sewell on the right. Um, obviously had kind of a tumultuous season in terms of just his environment last year. he trains at, at right tackle all off season and then Taylor Decker has that injury moves to left tackle, midseason then moves back to right tackle and and really finishes the season strong. So just looking at at the at his rookie tape, um how much do you think he's only do you think he's only kind of scratched the surface of his potential with kind of how crazy that rookie season was for him?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely he, he yeah he, exactly um like you like you outlined there a little bit I mean the preseason was obviously uh, pretty rough you yeah. know at right tackle um <clears throat> and then you know with Decker getting hurt getting to play left um and just you could see just kind of the natural ability there and just the comfort right away again I think it was against 49ers first game yep. you know some of the reps against Bosa some of the stuff he did. It was just like, wow, that's a guy we saw in college, you know. Um, so he got to do that for, I think, eight games and then played right tackle for the second eight games and looked much better right away at right tackle. I thought, you know, he had kind of this weird hitch with his footwork and his past sets at right tackle in the preseason that I thought he ironed out pretty quickly when he got back at right tackle, you know, in the second half of the year. And that really was kind of the big hiccup that he had in preseason that caused many people to be concerned about him. And then it was just a matter of, you know, stacking games on top of each other against NFL competition as a 20 year old kid, you know, uh, 21 at that time, I guess, because he turns 20. I think his birthday is in October, so he's yeah. 21, but very young, you know, kid out there playing in the NFL for the first time at a new position, there's just going to be natural things that you need to improve upon. And um, I think that he showed a good trajectory, you know, throughout the season Um, and the flashes are uh, eye catching, you know, in terms of his explosiveness and power, athletic ability at 330 pounds is pretty special. Um, Yeah, man. You know, I think really the pass protection element is going to be the biggest thing with him when he's isolated on an Island against wide nine quality rushers, kind of that specific criteria, which guys see a lot, you know, on quote unquote money downs, like those scenarios, pretty much every guy can improve upon. But with him, I think he's going to need to just really get a little bit better at getting to his spot, not giving up a short corner on guys, um, that's going to be something that is going to be a process, especially with Jared Goff, a quarterback who could drift a little bit too deep in the pocket and exacerbate that and make yeah. that more difficult for the tackles, um, mm-hmm. which I highlighted in a couple film rooms last year. Um, so that's a big part in all, all. evaluation is watching the quarterback as well. Um, but, but nonetheless, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's 21, you know, going into this season. I mean, this is the one of the most appealing things about his evaluation coming out of Oregon is, you know, in four years from his rookie year, if he is still kind of figuring it out, he's going to be the same age as, you know, Bernard Raymond is this year as a rookie. Yeah, It's like, you know, the, the, the opportunity for him to succeed is so great because of his age Um, And the talent as well. It's not just age, but also the talent. He just has a long runway, you know, to, to, to get better. And based on what we saw as a rookie, I mean, I'm very encouraged and that's where I put, that's why I put him where I did. Uh, I just, I I think the tier three um, bucket for him is a pretty, pretty safe bet in 2022.
1: Really quick to, to follow up. You mentioned like the pass the pass set, like getting to his mark quicker. Yeah, that, that's just a mental thing, right? Like because he, he has kind of the explosive feet and the athleticism. It's just kind of a, a mental. Is is that is that how you view it? Like a mental thing or? No, I think it's
2: more like footwork technique, technique and yeah timing. Okay, you know snap timing, like getting out of your stance quickly. Right. Um. You know, consistently because some guys can do it in flashes, but of course you know, like the master is David Bakhtiari, a huge part of his success perennial pro seasons is his snap timing. I mean, Mm. it's almost perfect every single time. Now that's kind of the standard, you know, if he can get anywhere near that, that's going to help him tremendously. Because if you're moving first out of your stance at the snap of the ball, you're going to have that extra millisecond or whatever on that wide nine pass rusher to kind of close the distance a little bit, get to your spot you know, and intersect him with a good position where you're not having to open up and open your hips early, turn your shoulders early, which creates kind of a soft edge and lets guys get to the corner too quickly. Obviously you need help from the quarterback to be in a consistent spot and not get too deep for that to happen. But in terms of what he can control himself, those are some of the things that I think, you know, he can improve upon. Um, and yeah, I think he has probably a pretty good chance of doing that because of his natural ability. And, you know, he showed he could do it in spurts last year, but just doing it more consistently.
3: And Brandon, real quick, before we kick it to break, uh, I think one of the hottest questions, especially, you know, during Sewell's rookie season was like, should he be playing left tackle? Should he be playing right tackle? Do you think that He's better suited to to actually kick over to the left side and play there long term. Um, you know, Decker is a, a veteran at this point. He's you know nearing um, probably the the end of his contract here in Detroit. So, like, do you think that eventually Sewell should be somebody who who makes a transition to left tackle?
2: Um, I mean, you know, I think that that's his best spot. Uh, so, in a sense, yes. But if we're talking, if it's two, three years down the line, and he's already ingrained. You know, all these, you know, pat like muscle memory patterns and, and all these things. All and those right habits tackle. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, moving him at that point may not be necessary. Um, you know, because I think maybe he'll have our, you know, right tackle mastered a little bit, but like coming into the NFL, yeah, left tackle for sure. Cause that's where we saw him at Oregon is at left tackle, and that's where he seemed to be more comfortable. But you know, that obviously changes depending on the roster and things like that. I think his upside's higher at left tackle than Decker. Um, but I don't know that you would switch them, you know, with all those all the things that goes into that with each player and the line and all that stuff. I'm not sure that, you know, you need to switch them, but um I, I would have preferred Sewell to start at left tackle. Yeah. But now where we're at, you know, I think right tackle staying there is probably the best bet.
3: That's interesting.
1: All right. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back more with Brandon Thorne, as we get into the interior of the Detroit Lions offensive line here on first bite, stick with us.
4: that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, hits the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Welcome back to First Bite. We are here with Brandon Thorne of the Trench Warfare newsletter, offensive line and defensive line, expert talking about the lions offensive line though specifically and their the rankings on Brandon's top 75 list let's get into the interior and really uh maybe inarguably the lions best player on the entire team let alone the offensive line frank ragnow at center uh he comes in third in your list not third tier i believe third overall if if i'm not mistaken there uh sixth overall oh i'm yeah. sorry sixth overall third, third is, last a, year third last year sixth that's right thank you sorry about that um so, so what does, uh, you know, obviously he's coming off the, the injury injured season. Um, what, what does he need to do maybe to, to bounce back, to get right back into that top three range this year?
2: Um, I mean, th- he's in that tier two. I say it in the article, you could put him at three and Creed Humphrey. for I have at three at six and it, it really wouldn't matter. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the only reason I have him at six is because he's coming off a serious injury and really it, all, the only thing that's, that he needs to do is come out and, himself for you know 14 games or whatever (laughs) you know or more um that's really it so you know still in the same tier as last year you know um it's, it's it's all about just bouncing back from the injury that that's really all it is but yeah he's you know i think he's kind of proven the type of player that he is um now it's just about regaining it
3: yeah and as jeremy mentioned probably the best player on the Detroit Lions. Like, yeah. what about Frank Ragnow's game makes him, you know, not not oftentimes do people say that center is the the best player on the team, but like he has definitely earned that mark uh so far in his time in Detroit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you go back to his time at Arkansas. I remember evaluating him being a huge fan of his uh coming out. Um, I remember a game he had at right guard against Alabama that year. I mean, one of the best you know, probably 10 games I've watched over the last, you know, four or five years of college football, uh, offensive lineman. Um, and in that game and in his college career, I think a lot, I think the foundation was clear and that's kind of what he relies on. Now he's obviously gotten better and refined his technique and things like that. But I think it's power, athletic ability, physicality, competitive toughness. I mean, he has all those things at a very good or elite level. Um, and that's kind of what his game's built on. You know, he's going to wear guys down over the course of a game. He's going to impose his will. He's going to be able to do all that, but then also get out on a screen and track down a linebacker or or a DB at the third level. I mean, that's kind of what this tier two at center is. I mean, center is a loaded position at the top, Um, and I think all these guys in the tier with him can pretty much do those things, Uh, and it's special. I mean, all these guys are just – You know, they have the power, the size, the athletic ability, the demeanor, and then the processing skills that you look for at the position. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's all those things, you know, that I think make him make him pretty special.
1: Well, let's move on to to Jonah, uh, Jonah Jackson left guard, because I feel like he's a guy that I know he just made a pro bowl, but I feel like maybe some people think it was, it was undeserved or, you know, I think he was a second or third reserve. So the fact that, that he became a pro bowler is it's kind of like a pseudo pro bowler, but Mm -hmm. you're a big fan. And so I want to know what, what, what do you really, really like about Jonah's game that, that he should put on tape so far?
2: Yeah. I mean, he's a guy I didn't watch coming out of Ohio state. You know, I didn't grade at least didn't like fully evaluate him. So I wasn't like super familiar, you know, with him, but just over the last couple of years, you know, studying, you know, Ragno, like I mentioned, when we kick things off, you know, I watch one to two, sometimes three guys per line when I'm watching them in season. And, you know, with the lions, it's typically been Decker and Ragno, you know, those are the guys I watch, but then obviously, you know, the guy sandwiched between them, you know, in Jonah Jackson, you know, wherever he's played, you know, at guard uh, you just, he has flashes, you know? Um, So in 2020, I noticed a lot of that and I was like, man, just the power, the, the consistent base that he yeah. plays with um, I think is very impressive. He has good balance um, and he's just, he's efficient, you know, in his movements um, and it's just things that when you're watching guys on tape, and that stuff flashes, you know, I take note of it. I think I may have posted a couple videos in 2020 of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall exactly. I could probably search real quick, but people could look at that on Twitter. So, like, just, you know, little things that I noticed on him in terms of his movement and his balance and his strength and power. And then, you know, this past season, I really dug in, um, you know, a little bit more and and watched him more. Uh, and the game against the Steelers – Uh, against cam Hayward. I did a film room on this last year, uh, but that game really caught my eye. Uh, You know, cam Hayward beat him clean on one rep, you know, after getting basically stoned on many reps by Jonah. So, you know, he, it wasn't a perfect game. Nobody's going to have a perfect game against cam Hayward isolated against him. So, but the thing that really like specifically caught my eye is cam Hayward, when he aligns in a two eye alignment, basically on the inside half of a guard, that's kind of like a, like a deadly potent kind of alignment for cam Hayward, because he's able to kind of access that inside shoulder so quickly and pry guys open. And Jonah had like four or five sets on him, you know, in that two eye alignment with no help where he was just latching into cam and just ending the rep quickly. And like, guys just don't do that, you know? So that's one of my big things with evaluation is I'm huge on level of competition, Uh, so when I see, you know, Cam Hayward on the field, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, you know, guys like this, whoever's blocking them, if they're flashing against those guys, then, you know, that you have something here. And then, you know, when you drill into his tape and you watch him more against the Eagles, uh, with Panay Sua left tackle, they were doing work in that game against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. That's another one. It's like, okay, you know, here, you're stoning these guys, you're moving these guys, you're imposing your will on these guys, you know? So really I think with Jonah, he has all those capabilities. It's just a matter of becoming again, more consistent with little things like coming out of his stance at the right time, um, you know, not over or under setting guys, utilizing his hands in the right time with the right placement, just all these little nuances and doing it against different players in different alignments you know, and all that kind of stuff, Um, you know, that's not a guarantee that that's going to happen, but I think he has all the physical traits to do it. And he has a lot of really high quality tape against really good players that signal to me, a guy who is rising. And that's why I felt, you know, confident putting him where I did. Uh, And I just think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL right now on along the offensive line, specifically left guard I would say it's him and John Runyon Jr. for the mm. Packers funny kind of a Buckeye and a Wolverine right <laughs> um but I think those two guys are probably the most underrated left guards in football right now they're young they just don't have a lot of tape out there right I mean two years for Jonah I mean he, he's missed one game I think you know last yeah. year so he, he has more tape than you would think it's just he's getting underrated that pro Bowl I think helped him a little bit kind of put his name out there but but like you said he was an alternate so But yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm high on him, man. And it's because of those reasons.
3: And guards, oftentimes Brandon, as you know, like unheralded, oftentimes the, you know, the most under um, paid players uh, along Mm -hmm. the offensive line Uh, and Jonah, as you mentioned, just two years into his career, he's got one year left on uh, his deal after the season in 2022, You, you talked a little bit about, you know, flashing against big time talent, like Cam Hayward and, and just making more of a consistent effort from down to down. Do you think that if he becomes more of a consistent player, is he one of those guys that deserves a big contract as a guard?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think eventually if he does it, if he has a better year than he did last year, then I think, yeah, I mean, he probably does deserve it, you know? So I always like to see a few seasons first, you know, before you say, Something like that, unless a guy is coming out straight up dominant, which he hasn't been, you know, like a once in a generation kind of guy like Quentin Nelson. But if he's not like that, then you want to see, you know, three, four years of it. So I think we need to see a little bit more, but I'm confident he's at least a good starter right now.
1: Yeah, Lions are, are going to face an, an interesting decision because they're already spending quite a bit on the offensive yeah. line. Um, nice. But but Jonas Jonas, like you said, he's 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 flashing some some really good potential. Um, last guy, he didn't make your list, but uh, I think I think he's an interesting guy to talk about. Maybe a little bit underrated by Lions fans. That's Halapuli Um Came here as an, as a tackle, now pretty much in t- entrenched as the, as a right guard. Is there anything you like about that transition from tackle to guard with him? And and, and I guess kind of evaluate his overall play, especially last year.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, with Vitae, this kind of the same thing since he came into the league with the Eagles. He's, he's one of, he's a big, big mm-hmm. dude with a lot of natural power and that flashes. Um, I, I don't think the flashes are very, you know, consistent, uh, you know, and pass protection is an issue. He's definitely the weak link on the offensive line, probably a below average starter, tier five kind of guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, with maybe like tier, three four run blocking skills but pass protection is an issue
1: yeah
2: um so he's the guy that defensive coordinators are going to try and target right you're going to try to isolate Vitai. that's just the way it is um but but yeah in terms of run blocking and sort of that physical presence and you know that he brings kind of a tone setting presence love that about him he's very physical very aggressive you know which is kind of a double-edged sword um but yeah he he's carved out a really impressive career you know as kind of one of those uh you know okay kind of starters who's had some solid moments you know but that that's what he is you know he's he's fun to watch but you can clearly see there's some deficiencies in his game that haven't been corrected at tackle or guard and it's primarily in pass protection
1: awesome well, that's that's Brandon Thorne and before we let you go, um, I'm sure everyone that, that is if, if there was anyone that wasn't aware of you before is it, certainly now. So uh, to those people that, that might not have known you, where can they go uh, find your stuff and more importantly where they where can they support you?
2: Yeah, you could go to uh, trenchwarfare.substack.com. Uh, that's my my personal site that I run and uh, kind of direct the content there. It's something that I just everything I put out there I, I love to do. Um, I do a lot of offensive and defensive line stuff, just try to educate people, try to um, provide some insight, unique insight, um, bring players on, you know, I just posted a film room today with Teron Armstead that I'm really excited about. Uh, So you got to, you know, people get to get a peek inside of kind of some of the best guys mindsets on the field. And really I'm trying to serve players and coaches, you know, on that website first and foremost. And then also like, you know, die-hard kind of fans, and also like high-level analysts like you guys, um, you know, who do it at a high level. Like th- that's who I try and cater to, um, and anybody who's interested in offensive line play, really, or defensive line play, um, I think you'll get a lot out of it. So that's where you could find me there. And then in season, I'm going to be, um, you know, doing stuff with establish the run, uh, where which is really cool. Uh, some of the stuff I get to do there, and then Bleacher Report. I scout every eligible offensive lineman in the NFL draft. Um, so yeah, those are pretty much the main spots.
1: Busy man. And that's at Brandon Thorne NFL on Twitter. Is it the same on Instagram? I don't remember.
2: Um, I believe so.
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Brandon Thorne NFL. Be yeah. sure to check those out. If, if you're if you're more of a visual learner, posting clips all the time that are that yeah. are very insightful, very, very rewarding. And uh, Brandon, I, I I can't say enough. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Absolutely. It was a pleasure, guys. Appreciate you having me.
1: Thank you. Thank you all to listening. We will be back with the main POD cast to recap uh, the first week of training camp. But until then, thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.